Good morning, guys. Good morning. Hope you're doing well today and uh, that good things are going on in your life. Your kids are all great and growing and healthy and any grandkids out there are doing as well as well. Um, T-ball is starting. Little leagues are starting. I'm coaching uh, middle school baseball. We're just outside having a ball and uh, hopefully changing lives uh, or at least trying to impact young people and helping them know one that people care that somebody cares and two that god cares that that there's a god in this world that loves them um and that if we can influence kids in that way push them point them toward the lord then god gets all the glory and and that's that's how he can use us we're talking about in this series buckle up and we're talking about the truly truly I say to you statements that Jesus made. And whenever he said, truly, truly, or verily, verily, or assuredly, I say to you, he was about to say something that was pretty important that, that they did not want to miss. Remember, he's talking to the disciples or the crowds. He's, this 2,000 years ago, Jesus talking to the people there. We're now listening in 2,000 years later, gleaning out of, out of what Jesus said for anything that might apply to us and to them and to all Christians, but not everything does. So we keep that in context. We remember that the apostles, Jesus, uh, the prophets, every letter was written to a group of people living in a specific place at a certain time, and, and it was primarily to them. But we're going to pull out of this scripture anything that might apply to you and me as well as we are believers just like they were. So we're talking about buckling up and uh, Jesus is gonna make uh, some truly, truly statements that are gonna be really profound. And we're gonna be in the, in the book of John, the gospel of John, the first chapter. And John's gospel is similar to Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but John, like the three, the synoptic, they call them the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They kind of all wrote about a lot of the same things. John wrote later and seems to fill in a lot of the gaps that they maybe left out or things that they didn't talk about. And so John's perspective is a little bit different than the other threes, but they're all about the life of Jesus while he was walking on this earth from his birth to his uh, resurrection. And so we're in John 1. And John is going to uh, start his letter by talking about in the beginning was the word. Remember that? We talked about that several weeks ago. Uh, it ties into Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. John, John's gospel in the beginning, similar, was the word. And so he's going he's gonna to set out to show us that Jesus is God. That he is the word that was in the beginning with the Father. He was the word that all things were made through. He is the living, breathing word of God, the spoken word. He is God who's come to this earth. And so John uh, spoke about Jesus being God. He spoke about Jesus being the word of God, the word, the logos of God that became a human being, that became flesh. And we call that the incarnation. It's the incarnation of Christ. It's God becoming one of us, God being present with us, God coming to this world and becoming like us, a human being. And John goes on to talk a little bit about John the Baptist, 
uh, and uh, his role in things, and he points to Jesus. And then uh, several disciples are chosen as Jesus begins his ministry, and uh, Andrew and Simon and Philip and Nathaniel are chosen. And it's in this exchange that he has with uh, Nathaniel that we're going to kind of uh, get our truly, truly statement. And so what happens is Jesus says to Nathaniel, as Nathaniel is walking toward him, remember uh, Philip went and got Nathaniel and brought him to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, I saw you while you were under the fig tree. This is near the end of John chapter one. Nathaniel replied, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. That's, that's a crazy reply. Jesus then says, Nathaniel and disciples, you will see greater things than this. And so it's in this exchange that Jesus says, buckle up, buckle up, buckle up. Remember Nathaniel, Nathaniel, when he, when Philip goes against Nathaniel and brings him to Jesus, he's kind of shocked uh, that Jesus saw him. And that Jesus knew him. He's a little bit like uh, Jesus knows him and he, he doesn't understand why because he doesn't really remember knowing Jesus or meeting Jesus yet. And then Jesus says, I saw you while you were under the fig tree. And to which Nathaniel said, you're the son of God, the king of Israel. And Jesus says, you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree, but you will see greater things than this. Now, that's a little bit strange, and I, and I don't know about you, but something seems to be missing as you look at those verses. If you're in, if you're in that section, the end of John chapter one, if you're looking, reading this encounter, something is not quite all there as far as what happened. And I don't know what it is, but it kind of raises a couple questions for me. First of all, it raises the question, what is it that Nathaniel saw? So, Nathaniel saw something and it, it, it impressed him when he was under that fig tree and he saw something that, that overwhelmed him in some way that, that, that opened his eyes to something incredible. And the second thing is that I wonder about is, what are the greater things that you will see that Jesus is referring to? He saw something amazing under that fig tree, Nathaniel did. And then Jesus says, well, you saw that, but, but there's going to be greater things than that. That's, that's nothing. So let's think about Nathaniel for just a second. Nathaniel. Nathaniel, uh, whatever, whatever it was he saw, it was, it was super convincing to him. It, it, it left a mark. It left an impact on him. Jesus saw Nathaniel under the fig tree and Nathaniel saw something and it, it impressed him. It, it really got his attention, maybe even scared him. And I don't know what it was. Maybe Jesus appeared to Nathaniel under the fig tree. Okay, there's that theory. Jesus appeared to him. So now he's like, oh, wow, I saw you like, in some form, but, but, but that seems hardly the case because, because as the conversation uh, goes, um, Nathaniel didn't recognize Jesus when he said that he saw him. And Jesus said, 
uh, Jesus said to Nathanael as he was coming close, an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And, and, and Nathanael said, how do you know me? So it's almost like he didn't, this is the first time he's seen Jesus, at least Jesus in the human flesh. Perhaps maybe Jesus just spoke to him. So the voice of Jesus was was there under the fig tree, or maybe God gave him some kind of vision, you know, a conversation or a vision. Those kinds of things happened a lot in the Bible, right? Peter and Cornelius and Daniel and Abraham and Paul. Uh, most of the prophets had visions and dreams. John in Revelations has all kinds of visions. And then let's not overlook also uh, the fig tree itself, the fig tree and, and kind of what, what the fig tree represents. Uh, this encounter happened under this fig tree and, and that's a significant detail because figs and fig trees are, were a sign of, um, of good things for Israel. They were a sign of prosperity. They were a sign of blessing for Israel. They play a major role in the symbolism of Israel's existence. All the way back in Genesis in the garden, we see the, the, the fig tree mentioned in the garden. Not all the trees are mentioned, but one of the ones that are mentioned is the fig tree. And remember when Adam and Eve sinned and their eyes were open, they used fig leaves to cover up. And so there's this huge contrast between blessing and shame as it, as it, as it falls under the idea of, of figs and fig trees. The promised land, remember later on with Moses, they're going to go into the promised land. Well, the scripture tells us that it was full of fig trees. And that was a sign of plenty. It was a sign of riches. It was a sign of prosperity. It was a sign of, of good health, that the land was full of good health. And there's fig trees all over the place. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, the scripture says, The Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil, and honey. And so we see the fig tree was a part of this inheritance. And it was going to be a sign of blessing and health. The fig tree represents Israel themselves. Israel as a fig tree. Uh, the health of a nation compared to a fig tree, right? Their spiritual and physical well-being and health was, was likened to the health and the well-being or the, 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 the sickness of a fig tree. And so Israel itself as a nation was um, compared to a fig tree. Judah, First uh, Kings says, Judah and Israel lived in safety, every man under his vine and his fig tree, from Dan even to Beersheba, all the days of Solomon. And so, so what we see is safety is found every man under his fig tree. This is in the Old Testament, in the, in the history books of the First Kings. And so when Israel rebelled against God, remember that later on, what they found was empty fig trees. They found the fig trees were stripped bare and fruitless. And so, so the fig tree kind of represented Israel. 
in, in, their, in their blessing times when things were good and they honored God and obeyed God, and in times where the fig trees were stripped away from everything because they were rebellious. In Mark chapter 11 in the New Testament, uh, the unfruitful fig tree, remember that Jesus cursed, uh, was never to bear fruit again as a sign against Jerusalem and against Israel. And so again, the fig tree is a sign of Israel's health, blessing, and curse. And then in Revelations chapter 6, and what I'm trying to show you is that from Genesis all the way to Revelations. In Revelation 6, the stars will fall from the sky like figs drop from the fig tree when, when, the, when shaken by a strong wind. And so again, in Revelations, we see this fig tree uh, analogy with Israel and blessing and cursing. So from cover to cover, the fig tree plays a critical role in Israel's history. And Jesus says to Nathanael, I saw you while you were under the fig tree. So there's something significant going on here, something big. It was a place of symbolism for Israel. It was a place of safety and blessing, probably a place where they went to pray, to just spend time talking to God, just getting away from everyone else. Maybe they had a fig tree in their yard and that's where they went. That was their place of prayer under the fig tree. It was a place that Jesus in some way had this incredible encounter with Nathaniel and whatever the vision, whatever the dream, whatever the voice or the appearance, Nathaniel's reaction to it was, you are, Jesus, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And so it was powerful and it was life changing for Nathaniel. So there's Jesus and Nathaniel, they're talking and the disciples, some of the other disciples are around as well and they're on the road. So probably some other people are listening in as well. And then Jesus says this buckle up, this buckle up passage that we're going to dig into here, another truly, truly moment. And here's what Jesus says. We're in John 1, verse 51. Jesus then added, he added, very truly, I tell you, hereafter you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Okay, this is what Jesus says right after his encounter now with Nathaniel live with Philip. Aha! Say, so Nathaniel, you Nathaniel. Jesus is like, Nathaniel, you're kind of funny. You, you think that what I showed you under that fig tree was impressive? Buddy, you have not seen anything yet. You will see greater things than what I showed you under that fig tree, whatever it was. I'm going to show you mightier things like than that. In fact, I, I like the Aramaic uh, version of Jesus saying to Nathaniel, buckle up, buddy, buckle up. Uh, I like the Aramaic uh, version of this passage. It goes like this. He said to him, timeless truth, I speak to you all. In other words, truly, truly, I say to you all. From this hour, you shall see heaven being opened and the angels of God as they ascend and descend onto the Son of Man. And this is such a cool passage, such a powerful passage. This is the kind of passage you read and you go, oh man, that's cool. But I, I got to tell you this morning, it is bigger than we know. This thing is huge. This verse is so big. This truly true statement is so big 
It's like that elephant in the room that nobody wants to look at or, or not that we don't want to look at it, but it's there and we just kind of don't even see it. It's like, like it's, it's, it's huge and it's big, but it's so big that we don't even notice it. I don't know uh, if you've ever, you know, had that situation happen to you. Like it's right there in front of you. It's big. Everyone else can see it, but for some reason you're just overlooking it. And that's what I want to dig into this passage. So here's what he says. He says, from this hour, from this hour, right? From, from here on out to Nathaniel, right? From here on out, you're going to see way more than what I showed you in, under that fig tree. And so from this hour, it, it also is uh, written in some translations hereafter. Hereafter, um, it's also omitted in some translations, but the idea is that from right now, Nathaniel, from this second, going forward, you're going to see incredible things. You think what you saw earlier today or yesterday, whatever it was, was impressive. You're going to see even more. Uh, so he says, hereafter, uh, but considering Jesus' words, you'll, you'll see even greater things. It's safe to say that what Jesus was referring to, obviously, is from here on out. It's like from this time moving forward, you're going to see incredible things from this hour right now. As, as I continue my ministry, because remember, this is at the very beginning of his ministry. He's just now choosing his disciples. So he is uh, just beginning his ministry. He says, from this hour, you shall see. And so he's saying, you guys, the disciples that are around with him, Nathaniel, you are going to see incredible things. You're going to see supernatural interactions with your very eyes, not somebody else's that they wrote about and now you get to read about it like we are reading about their encounters. He's saying to them, you're with me now and you're going to see while I'm on this earth, you are going to see with your very eyes and observe saying things that no one else will, has ever seen or will ever see. During my ministry, Jesus is saying, you are going to see incredible things. You are going to be witnesses of these things that are going to happen, which is why the apostles and these early disciples are the writers of what we now have as the New Testament, because they were eyewitnesses of the things that Jesus did. From this hour, you will see heaven being opened. Now, in the Old Testament, there were times that interaction happened between God and man at different times. It was random. It's sporadic. God would use a judge. God would use a king. God would use a prophet. But it was all through history. Nothing crazy, you know, at one time for a long period of time. It was somewhat random and sporadic. But, but Jesus says, you will see heaven open. From this day forward, Nathaniel, as we're having this interaction from, for, for the next few years, you're going to see heaven open, a continual flow between heaven and earth. You're going to witness this. You're going to observe it. Spiritual activity like never seen before. That's what you're going to see. And then he says, you're going to see heaven open and angels of God, the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man, or on the Son of God, or to the Son of Man. 
This is all going to be happening to Jesus, wherever Jesus goes. Heaven is going to be open. God is going to pour out all kinds of supernatural activity on Jesus as he walks around the earth for the next couple years. As he does miracles, as he does healings, as he teaches, as he, as he walks on water, as he feeds thousands, as he does all the things that he does, and then ultimately as he dies and rises from the dead and ascends back to heaven. You are going to see, Nathaniel, incredible things. Angelic beings, ministering spirits, like we read about in Hebrews, that minister to God's people. Uh, spiritual beings from heaven interacting with people on earth and with Jesus. Kind of similar to like Jacob. Remember in Genesis 28 when he saw angels ascending and descending, like, like going up and down like on a ladder, right? And perhaps like the shepherds witnessed, at the birth of Jesus, when all the angels appeared and they were singing glory, glory in the highest. Or the appearance on the Mount of Transfiguration when Moses and Elijah and Jesus appeared and, and Peter, James, and John were there. And there's this, this, this like out-of-body experience. It's like the supernatural experience with two guys that were gone long, thousands of years ago. And now they have appeared with Jesus. But there will be lots of activity and angelic presence and ascensions and dissensions and spiritual activity on Jesus. But, but the focus of all of this spiritual activity and angelic interaction is Jesus. He's the focus, not just random acts all over the place. But these are all going to be like focused on one person and his name is Jesus. He will be the center focus of all of this spiritual activity going on during this time. Nobody else is going to ever receive this kind of angelic activity focus. Nobody, not me, not you, not anyone else that has ever lived will be graced by this supernatural power and there will be a lot of it. Only one person in all of history. And he is, as he goes on to say, on the Son of Man. From this hour, you will see heaven being opened and the angels of God ascending and descending onto one person in particular, the Son of Man. 88 times in the New Testament, 90 times in the Old Testament, do we see the phrase, the Son of Man. The Son of Man. And basically all it has to do is this. As God... Jesus is the Son of God. As a human, Jesus is the Son of Man. Fully God, fully human. So when you see the Son of Man, it's talking about Jesus, God in the flesh, as the Son of Man, as one of us. One of us, right? And God in the flesh, Emmanuel, right? God with us, the incarnate Christ. Jesus, the Messiah of the world, will have this continual interaction with all of heaven. As he ministers on the earth, as he teaches, as he performs miracles. And these are going to include a lot of different things. But one of the things they're going to include is the voice of his father. Remember at, at Jesus' baptism in Mark 11, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. 
in, uh, at the transfiguration in Matthew 17, this is my beloved son, he says, listen to him. And in, uh, at the last week in John 12 of Jesus' ministry, this is my beloved son, I have glorified him and I will glorify him again. And so this voice from heaven, this, this supernatural God voice that Jesus heard and those that were with Jesus heard this voice, the voice of God will be poured out from heaven on Jesus during these days. Supernatural activity. Also, angels showing up, ministering or appearing to Jesus. In Mark 1, when he was tempted, in Luke 22, in the garden, in Matthew 28, at the resurrection, we see angels at his birth, we see angels throughout his ministry, and we see angels at his death. And then, to top it all off, in Acts chapter 1, after Jesus dies, resurrects from the dead, appears to hundreds of people after he was dead, pronounced dead by the Romans and buried in a tomb. Now he's alive again and he's appearing to hundreds of people in various ways over a period of 40 days. Now Jesus in Acts 1 is with his disciples and he's going to ascend back up into heaven and leave them. And verse 10 says, they were looking intently up into the sky as Jesus was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they spoke to the men. They, the angels, these two white angels spoke to the disciples and said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This very same Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven as he ascends into heaven will come back. He will descend from heaven the same way that you have seen him go into heaven. From his birth to his ascension, supernatural activity surrounded everything that Jesus did. This is incredible. This is so very big. And to Nathaniel, Jesus says, Yeah, I saw you under the fig tree, but you are going to see even greater things than this. Buckle up, brother. You better buckle up, brother. Buckle up because incredible things are going to happen. So what is the truth of this buckle up moment? What, what is it that we don't want to miss, that Jesus is saying to them and to us? What is it that, that is, is so important, that's so big, that we just don't want to overlook it or miss it? Well, I think it's quite simple. I think it's that big thing in the room that nobody really even notices. But it's huge. And I hope today we're going to get our eyes on it and really see it. Because it's easy to read through the scripture, hear these verses, and just kind of like, okay, yeah, like everyday life, just ho-hum. But this is more than ho-hum. What, what is happening here in this statement of Jesus is this. Jesus is God. Now, I know that's something you've heard all your life. Jesus is God. But, but this is more than just Jesus saying, I am God. This is the proof that Jesus is God. All of this supernatural activity focused on this person named 
Jesus, there is no other person in all of history that has ever been or will ever be that has that will ever get this kind of activity from heaven directed on them. Jesus is God. He is the only one who had this much attention from Father God interacting with the Son of God and from angels and supernatural beings showing up constantly. He is the only one who can offer hope and eternal life salvation to you and to me. He is the only one who gave overwhelming evidence that he is the son of God. So don't miss this, who Jesus is. Don't miss all of this supernatural activity pointing to the one who is the son of God. This is not just another nice truth. This is not just some more good information recorded in the scripture. This is God shouting, shouting to you and me. Do you not see all the angelic activity happening with Jesus? All of this supernatural activity is more proof, not the only proof, but more proof of who Jesus is who he is. So what is it that you are seeking? What what is it you're looking for in life? Who is it you're looking for? Who are you following? Who are you listening to in your own life? Are you influenced by the things of this world? Are you influenced by by, uh, the, the things that people in the planet chase after? What is it your allegiance is to? What is it you're following? Who is it you're following? Are you chasing after Jesus as much as Jesus is chasing after you? Are you seeking God the way God has sought you? Are are you loving God as much as God loves you after all that God has done for us? Do you remember the story of uh, Luke 15, the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost son. In the story of the lost coin, the woman had 10 coins. She loses one. And so she lights a light. She sweeps the floor. She checks every corner of the room until she finds that lost coin. And when she finds it, she calls her friends in and they have a party and they celebrate. Another man had 100 sheep and he loses one. And so he leaves the 99 and he goes out to find that one sheep. And when he finds the sheep, he puts it on his shoulder, he comes back to the other 99, and he rejoices, and they celebrate, and there's a big party. There's a son who decides he's going to leave home and go do his thing, and he walks off, and he goes off, and he does a lot of bad things, and he messes up his life, and he squanders everything. But he comes back home, and, and when, they, when they found him, and when he came back home, There was a party. They rejoiced. They killed the fatted calf and they celebrated because he was lost and now he's found. Those three stories, we we look at those stories and we look at them from one direction. We look at those stories and we see that God came after us. We see it from the perspective of God finding you and me, finding us, the coin, the sheep, the son. But what I would like to suggest to you today is that we reverse the story for a minute and don't look at it as, or ask yourself, don't ask, don't ask yourself what that, that God or show you, 
look at it as if God came for you. But what I like us to look at it is how badly are we chasing after God? Let's look at it from another direction. How badly, like the woman searching for her coin, how badly are you searching for Jesus in your life? Like the, 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 the shepherd who lost the sheep, how badly are you searching for Jesus to have all of you? And like the lost son and the father who celebrated when he was lost and came home and now was found, how badly are you searching for God in your life? Like the woman with the lost coin and the, the man who went after the lamb, they did a deep search for a great treasure. They did a deep search for this great treasure. To find Jesus is by far the greatest treasure that you will ever find. How how deeply are you searching for God in your life? Because there's a lot of darkness. There's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of chaos. There's a lot of static in the world. And if you don't go searching for God, God will get, God will get pushed out by everything else, chasing after your attention. You must make a decision to deliberately go after God to chase after God, to know God, to want to know God more, to seek him with all your heart, to worship God with others, fellowshipping with other believers, growing in your faith with other believers. That is the only way that you are going to stay on track and stay focused on the goal of knowing him. It's the only way. It's the only way. Jesus said, or he added, very truly I tell you, hereafter you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Why? Why? Because Jesus is God. Jesus is the Son of Man. He is the Son of God. Are you holding on to Jesus? Are you buckled up? I hope you have a great week. And I hope this week will be determined, so determined to seek after, to chase after, to pursue whatever word you want to use, the Lord in our life. And that we'll serve him with everything in us. And we'll let him use us for his glory however he wants. God bless you guys. Have an amazing week.